We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Pokemon-related topics. I'm your host, S1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. And guys, it's been a very exciting couple of days. Um, some big news on the Nintendo side, some big news on the Pokemon side. Uh, lots of it to cover. Um, so we just want to go ahead. We're just going to dive right in. Let's go ahead and discuss the first thing. So today was Apple's annual keynote, and uh, they brought a surprise out on stage, man. Uh, a very Nintendo-themed surprise. So they basically called out Shigeru Miyamoto, and he got on stage, and he unveiled Super Mario Run. It is an endless runner app uh, that's going to be exclusive for iOS for a limited time. That'll make its way to Android later on. Um, we know it's coming out in December. We know that it will have a set price point, although no price point has been announced. And we, we know that it's Mario on mobile. This is a huge step for Nintendo in what they're doing now. What like Nintendo's foray into mobile has become expansive now. They're basically bringing the big guns to mobile. Um, it's almost a little bit of a response to Pokemon Go. The success of Pokemon Go has literally shown Nintendo that they need to bring the key franchises to mobile. So I'm excited for this, man. How are you feeling about this? Um, well, I, I think it's a good thing because Pokemon Go definitely did give Nintendo confidence to bring other IPs into mobile gaming. And also, um, they found out how lucrative it is. And so if Nintendo comes out with an app um, that they made, they're going to make more money off it. Because right now, um, you know, Niantic and Apple and Google are the ones making the money off Pokemon Go. But I um, am not a fan of the uh, endless runner genre. I, I don't really like those games, um, but, you know, um, we were talking about this before the show, and uh, you did bring up a good point, which kind of made me think. You, you know, you said that um, anytime Nintendo gets into a genre that they're not usually associated with, they always do a good job, and they don't get into it unless they're confident that they can do a good job, like with Splatoon. And it kind of made me think, well, maybe... Um, I might like this game, uh, but, you know, I'm not really that excited for it right now. And it's a lot of it's going to depend on the price point. Yeah, you know, and the price point, you know, knowing that it's at a set price point, I was having a conversation with, you know, big fan of the show. He's like our number one supporter, Esaj. We were talking today, and we were talking about that price point, And we were determining what's a good price point for Nintendo to release uh, Super Mario Run at. And we came to the determination that the max, the cap, you know, should be at $10. $9.99 on the App Store. That's that's the price point. And I'm going to explain why. First off, if you look at some of these other bigger games on the App Store, like you take some of the Square Enix titles, like The World Ends With You, according to the App Store currently, it is at Seventeen ninety nine. Now that's a huge game. It's an established RPG um, that you know Square Enix put a lot of time and effort into developing, but it doesn't need to be seventeen ninety nine. That's an exuberant price to 
game at in the App Store. Second, nobody makes a quality game the way Nintendo does. They make high-quality games. That the, the name Nintendo alone is you're paying into that alone. You're paying for the Nintendo name. Second, you know, this game is going to, you know, at one price point, they have to try to recover the cost of development for this game. So I think $9.99 is a fair price. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that it, if it's anywhere between $7.99 and $9.99. But well, I, think, I think that's fair. I think it's different when you're comparing games, um, you know, of different genres, like an RPG, you can charge more because there's more replayability. You're going to spend, you know, 60 or 70 hours on games like The World Ends With You. I mean, I agree that, that $17 is a little high, but, you know, if you, it's the same exact um, port of the, the one that was out for the DS, and that was a $30 purchase. So um, I just don't think an Endless Runner is worth that much. I think $10 is too much. And, and if it's more than $5, I'm probably not going to get it. Because for me, I, I think 4 to $5 is fair. And I think there's a lot of people out there that they, they don't want to pay more than $5 for an Endless Runner game because there just isn't – the replayability really doesn't justify the cost. See, and I disagree with that, Well, because Endless Runners – are bite-sized games, so that you know their 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 replayability factor is pretty high. Second, there has never been a character more designed to be in an endless runner than Mario. Essentially, all Mario games are endless runners. I mean, they have stages. I mean, but the point is to go from point A to point B and jump on a few platforms, kill a few Goombas. Uh, from the trailer that they showed, it looks like those core elements are there. Uh, it's just in a non-stop way. I mean, end of the day, it's it's still essentially 99% a Mario game just with the caveat of being an endless runner. I think Sonic is probably best suited for an endless runner. But, um, you know, Mario's probably second. So, I mean, you're I, right. Like, a plat platforming is very similar to uh, endless runner. Just the main difference, though, is that you can stop the movement of your character. I agree. That's true. Sonic is probably better suited, and to that point, he has had a few endless runner titles. Sonic Dash and those games are the highest-rated Sonic games within the last, you know, ten years. Um, you know, they're keeping Sonic alive at a, in a time where Sonic games for consoles are pretty, pretty shitty. Um, that being said, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this caps out at nine ninety nine. We'll most likely see it around $7.99. I do think that when Nintendo makes a game, that that seal of quality that they put on all their products is something that we should be looking forward to in this. We, we should be seeing a really high quality Nintendo Mario game. And I, you know, and I like that it, it's in the vein of the new Super Mario Bros. game, you know. It's been popular for them on the Wii, the Wii U, and the DS and the 3DS. That style is the way that Mario's going to look like in his 2D outing, so. I'm not really interested right now, but um, I, I will give it a chance when it comes out. Um, but, you know, I'm just comparing it to 
some of the other games that are popular right now in the app store. Like if you look at um, Minecraft, which is the most popular paid app, it's $6.99. And Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is $6.99. And um, Plants vs. Zombies is $0.99. Cents. you got a lot of, even though they're all, you know, ported from a console or PC, they're all good games. And, uh, I mean, this is, is a mobile exclusive, so it's a little different. Um, and it, you're right, it does have the Nintendo, like, seal of approval it's you always know nintendo's going to make a good mario game but i just i just feel like anything over five dollars is it's not going to be successful you know one thing we actually didn't talk about was what this actually means for other core nintendo ip um when you drop the big guns when you drop a mario game you're you're dropping you're dropping the bomb that's that's their biggest you know biggest franchise i mean other than zelda so does this mean we can expect something of a more full-fledged zelda game um yeah maybe the endless runner isn't the best idea but you know for mario i think it works i think you can more full-fledged zelda game especially you can have a, a zelda game more in the vein of you know the original or a link to the past where it's like that top-down action style that's just something to look forward to and one thing we're neglecting here is how big this is for Nintendo. I mean, they don't have to build a console for this. They are getting to develop around pre-existing technology, and all they have to do is look at the specs, the schematics, and build around that hardware. This is this is almost like their first foray into some type of third-party merchandising. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I hope that they, they come out with uh, more IPs. It would be nice to see like on the um for mobile gaming or or someone maybe someone that's not quite as big someone that they could be a little bit more experimental with like someone like yoshi they could come out with some sort of like a yoshi's world for uh, mobile gaming i think that would be a great idea um and you know i'm not really a fan of mobile gaming because before pokemon go came out i only had one game on my phone and that was hearthstone and um i just i never really enjoyed the bite-sized gaming or you know the the endless runners and the, and the puzzle games and um you know it just really didn't appeal to me but um a lot of this augmented reality uh is starting to change my opinion on that because pokemon go is definitely a game that you spend more than 15 minutes at a time playing. And, um, you know, if, if Nintendo keeps coming out with really good games, like if, if the Mario Endless Runner is good, well, they'll, they'll probably, um, you know, keep coming out with more IPs as long as the response is good. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I hope there's other IPs that end up coming out. I agree. I mean... It's it's a whole new world for Nintendo. Um, we talked about the quality a lot last episode, so I'm looking forward to seeing that same type of quality make its way into mobile. I, you know, and and it and it has to. It it 100% has to. Um, I read an interview recently where you know, Kimishima basically said that they want to use mobile as the gateway 
this is their gateway drug that will eventually well what they hope for is if the you know the the ip that they put on mobile is successful that the people who enjoy those games on mobile will make their way to the handhelds now he was talking specifically about fire emblem that will also be coming out on you know mobile devices but i think a character like yeah. mario is a much stronger ip to do that gateway drug you know mentality with right um or pokemon <laughs> oh 100 so, yeah no, i agree <laughs> although i think the the smaller franchises uh it's good to bring those out like fire emblem um just because you can be a little bit more experimental and if it doesn't work then it's okay it's not going to be seen as like a big failure because you know mario always sits the bar so high that if they don't continue to maintain that standard uh people will really criticize them for it. So there's a lot more pressure too when it comes to a Zelda or a Mario game. That's true, but if if they really, you know, knowing that Mario's going to be coming, you know, first, well technically second after Mitomo, but first as far as actual game is concerned, it gives them a little bit of leeway like cuz you know, we know about Fire Emblem and we know about Animal Crossing. Now they can make pared down versions of those games. Like it doesn't have to be a full fledged Fire Emblem game. And Happy Home Designer was one of the biggest selling games for Nintendo last September. Um, and that's not a you full know, Animal Crossing game. So they could totally work with that. That makes me think like Animal Crossing is actually better suited for mobile gaming, don't you think? Because it's you're supposed to be interacting with your friends and it's it's not always so easy to do that on the the three DS. It's probably better if that was a mobile game. Honestly, I'm surprised that they even launched with a game like Mitomo when they had Animal Crossing on their, you know, in their sites. If they had Animal Crossing in their sites, what was the need for a social media app? That's where the marketing becomes confusing and possibly a misstep in how they determined how to initially get into mobile. If you were going to do Animal Crossing, then Animal Crossing should have been before Mitomo, or Mitomo doesn't need to exist as its own separate app. Now, I'm glad it does because we use Mitomo, you know, as a means of promotion. But you could have just released the right. Mi Photo as a separate app itself, and that would have been just as successful as Mitomo. It doesn't need to be a full on game. Like, I don't even answer the questions on Mitomo anymore. It was great for the first three weeks, but after that, like, it just fell off. It fell off, and right. I haven't had that drop off with Pokemon. Well, that's why in my review for um, Mitomo, I gave the replayability, I think I gave it a four or a three. I mean, it was really low because I knew that the appeal to that game was not going to last if they didn't make some some significant updates, and they really haven't. Um, it is nice when they release the new clothes because, like you said, you know, we make, you know, little promos for the show with the the photo app, but that's about it. Um, but I mean, you know, Animal Crossing, that really, actually, now that I think about it, if, if they were to come out with an Animal Crossing game, you know, for the, for mobile gaming, I would be not an Animal Crossing fan at all, but that um, could actually be like better than the Animal Crossing games that are out for their consoles or their handhelds. I actually wonder about cross cross compatibility with the NX. Um, 
I know they say that that's a goal that they have with with their mobile. Um, I guess Mario uh, Run will be our first little entry point. I I know they said they did want to make it compatible with my Nintendo. That's a no-brainer. I mean, I feel like I don't have enough reasons to log into my Nintendo to collect the coins. Um, seeing as how they only do stuff in Mitomo, do do something for Mario, or or that deal that you guys have with the Pokemon Cup and Niantic, make it a little bit more encompassing so that I can take the coins that I've accumulated in my Nintendo and apply them to Pokemon Go. Um, you know, technically you own Pokemon. You they technically own Pokemon. You know, even if it's a fraction, just figure out a way to you know to bridge that gap just a little bit tighter. Make make it make my Nintendo more functional. That's that's something that these these mobile games need to do. Is they need to make my Nintendo more functional. Give me reasons to want to log into my account and make sure that I'm collecting. Make sure I'm doing whatever missions you have. Give me give me reason. True. All right, so moving on, we're going to stay here with the keynote, though. We're still talking about Apple's keynote, but we're going to move on just a little bit. About 10 minutes later, uh, John Hankey got on stage, and he dropped kind of a little bombshell. Um, now, this really only applies to people who adopted into the Apple Watch. I don't think this is something that's going to move Apple Watch units, but uh, Pokemon Go will be compatible with Apple Watch uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, Apple unveiled a new Apple Watch, uh, and it was a very good move on Niantic's part to say, we are also developing for Apple Watch. So this thing pretty much, this app will pretty much function very similarly to the Pokemon Go Plus. It will, you know, track your steps. It'll tell you when a Pokemon's nearby. You can collect from Pokestops. You can hatch your eggs. All just with this app. Unfortunately, though, they said that if you need to catch a Pokemon, you will have to remove the phone from your pocket, something that Pokemon Go will do plus Pokemon Go Plus will do outside of the box. So it's the same, but it's different. And they did add functionality where it tracks your walks uh, similarly to a workout. I'll tell you how many calories you burned, a bunch of stuff, uh, non-essential. Now, I think this is a good idea, and I think this is a bad idea. I think this is a bad idea because Niantic is segmenting the development on Pokemon Go. Um, I know you have some complaints about Pokemon Go that you're going to get into. Um, oh, yeah. Um, before I get into that, though, I just want to say that um, I just read um, a few minutes ago through Twitter that Apparently, Pokemon Go Plus is supposed to be coming out September 16th, and that's supposed to be confirmed. If that's true, though, I mean, you know, I'm going to get Pokemon Go Plus, and I don't have a Apple Watch, so, you know, that, that uh, little app doesn't really interest me, I guess. <laughs> it's so weird because it's like, this isn't going to sell Apple Watch. Like, it's a $500 accessory piece it's it's a wearable it's wearable tech now we we all know that wearable tech didn't take off the way that you know people predicted uh you know google glass is like 
the primary suspect when it comes to a piece of technology that was really well reviewed and didn't go anywhere. Now, why didn't it go anywhere? It didn't have a killer app. Had Pokemon Go launched at the same time as Google Glass and they had functionality and you could wear your glass, wear the Google Glass, see the Pokemon in front of you in true augmented reality instead of holding your phone up, you know, like this, walking around like this, you just catch a Pokemon, catch a Pokemon, catch a Pokemon, you know, it would have been so successful. It would have sold Google Glass because it's it's Pokemon. Unfortunately, Pokemon Go already exists on the mobile device, so you don't need the Apple Watch to play this. Uh, and the fact that it's gonna pro it's gonna do ninety percent of what the Pokemon Go Plus will do. There is no incentive to use the Apple Watch version unless you already have one. And if I'm being honest, aesthetically, the Pokemon Go Plus is a much cooler design than the Apple Watch. It doesn't have a screen, but it doesn't need the screen. Uh, I do feel like, though, this is Niantic trying to undercut the deal that they had with Nintendo, though, where Nintendo was going to release hardware that functioned with the game, and now Niantic is, you know, doing something for the for the watch it's it's a little it's it's undermining the deal but it's not going to hurt the deal yeah all right so let me go ahead and get these pokemon go complaints off my chest um game's been out for two months now we're still having a lot of glitches i've been pretty lenient with pokemon go because i understand that it takes time when you have a new game to work out all the bugs but we're to the point now where after two months, you know, these are the kind of things that, you know, make people stop playing the game. So I'm just going to go through them. Uh, I'm tired. Niantic. I'm tired of every time I put my Pokemon in a gym or every time I click on a gym, the game crashes. Um, you need to fix the GPS because my character decides to run away from the gym when I'm not moving and it kicks me out. Uh, the error message, dreaded error message that everyone knows about where you just can't battle or build prestige anymore in the gyms. Um, poaching, still kind of an issue. The one HP glitch, pretty infuriating. Damage. This is not a glitch, but if you have a type that's super effective, it shouldn't be doing... 25% more damage. It should be doing 100% more damage like in the main series because the whole point of using a type advantage is for the strategy of the game. And that's the whole point of the reason why they created all those types. So let's just do it times two damage like it was supposed to be. Um, sightings has been MIA. I know there's an update that's supposed to be coming out soon, but like, you know, what happened to the sightings? They talked about that three weeks ago and we still don't have it. You know, we still can't track Pokemon. And finally, organizing your Pokemon in the main series, you can put them in boxes, separate everything out. It's to the point now where I have like 350 Pokemon, and I don't want to have to scroll all the way down just to find a Dratini. You know, even if you put them in alphabetical order, it doesn't, it doesn't help you if the Pokemon's, you know, name is at the end of the alphabet. Like, really... There needs to be a better way to organize the Pokemon in your boxes. Those are my gripes. That's all I have. Um, <laughs> off my chest. Yeah, well, to get into your gripes, this, 
we can actually apply this to, you know, them developing for the Apple Watch. Um, we all know that Niantic is a small team, you know, about 40 to 50 employees. You know, when you start segmenting those employees to work on different hardware, when you have all these other underlying issues at hand, you, you're slowing the development. You're slowing the development on the main product. Like, it's nice that the Apple Watch is going to be functional. That's awesome. That's awesome if you have an Apple Watch. But the largest install base is on purely mobile phones and a few tablets. I've seen a few people playing on tablets. But that's, I mean, you got to have, you have to cater to the lowest common denominator. The lowest common denominator is usually where the largest install base is. Uh, it's the same problem I have with, you know, Microsoft and Sony releasing iterations on their consoles. Uh, it doesn't matter if you make 4K video games, if you're going to develop those games around, you know, the lowest common denominator, i.e. the largest install base. If you're going to be building games for the Xbox One and not the Xbox One S, why does this technology need to exist? Why do these incremental upgrades need to exist? Have the same problem with the upgrading from Nintendo handhelds. Nintendo handhelds come up almost annually. And whenever they do, I'm that idiot. I keep buying the new hardware, and then I only get one game for the hardware. And that's infuriating. I, like, why am I paying money? So, why am I paying more money for a product that I already have for you know, just Xenoblades, you know, Great. segmenting the market. This is, this is, this is video games trying to do what PCs do and PCs have been at it for far longer. Uh, and they are more successful at it. You now Microsoft is technically a PC company. Maybe they're better equipped to handle this, but I don't like it. Um, you know, we're going to address that in a later episode. I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, those are all pretty valid points. So that was just Apple's press conference, guys, their, their keynote. Uh, very interesting news. Um, it's very interesting to see, you know, the world we live in, in, in which Nintendo can develop, not just for their own hardware, but, you know, for other hardware. Uh, it's got to be... What a time to be alive, man. I said it last episode. I'll say it again. What a time to be alive. Because if you told me, you know, 28 years ago that one day Nintendo would be developing video games for a console that didn't have the word Nintendo imprinted on it, I wouldn't believe you. If I could go back in time, talk to little Dennis, and tell him all this shit, little Dennis would smack adult Dennis right across the cheek and say, shut the fuck up, you little bitch. Little Dennis would have said, what is marketing? Uh, maybe. What's a wee? It's not what's in your pants, little Dennis. So, guys, that's Apple's keynote. So what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hit you up with all the Pokemon Sun and Moon news that got dropped on us early on Tuesday morning. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's time to go.
And we are back. I'm the co-host, Mario After Party, along with the man who needs no introduction, Nice1983. Whoop! All right, guys. So, so when we left, when we left, we decided we were going to tell you guys about the new Pokemon that were coming out for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Got some cool ones. Got some sad ones. Uh, after Party, go ahead and hit us up with this new bad boy right here. All right. Um, type Null. This Pokemon wearing a mask has been dubbed Null, meaning nothing. The shapes of its front and hind legs are clearly different. The reason is that Type Null was constructed to synthesize the strengths of various Pokemon, enabling it to adapt to any situation. The mask fitted to Type Null's head is a piece of equipment designed to control its latent powers. It's extremely heavy, so it also serves to hinder Type Null's agility. To complete a certain mission, there was need of a Pokemon powerful enough to rival those Pokemon often spoken of in mythology. So I'm assuming that Type Null is just a horrific science experiment gone wrong to try and make legendary Pokemon that was man-made. I get. I don't know. It looks weird. The weirdest Pokemon that I've ever seen. Um, it's normal type, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really like it. It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. This thing is a Chimera. Straight up Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Chimera. Uh, it's an abomination. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Mewtwo from the from the anime where you remember where Mewtwo had like that armor that was supposed to streamline his power so that he could get a better focus on it and not pretty much run wild. This thing is freaking hideous. Like this is the abomination Pokemon. They should change it from synthetic to abomination. It has the ability of battle armor. I, I'm not 100% sure if that's a new ability. Um, possibly not. But, yeah, this thing is does not – I don't know what to say about it. it. It's just creepy as all hell. All right, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to move on to the next Pokemon unveiled. Uh, Zhang Mo'o. Uh, it's a dragon type. It has the ability – Bulletproof or soundproof. Zhang Mao has the pride of a warrior. Although it remains humble about its capabilities and its pursuit to become stronger, it never neglects its training. Because Zhang Mao uses the scales on its head for both offense and defense, it never turns its back to an enemy. Many trainers see this behavior and take it as proof that Zhang Mao is a valiant Pokemon. Zhang Mao gather in harsh locales like canes, where no other Pokemon or people are around to live together as they train. This thing is weird. Uh, the scales on the top of its head kind of look like a heart. There's not much to really say about the way this Pokemon looks. Uh, if anything, it's a kind of an uninspired design. I think we've seen probably the best looking Pokemon period in this generation, but there have been a few misses. Speaking of misses, Mario After Party is going to hit you with the biggest miss of the Alolan version of Pokemon. Well, 
Alolan Raticate, also known as Faticate. <laughs> because urban areas are their main habitat, their diet is higher in calories than ordinary Raticate. As a result, they have become hefty, which is Nintendo's way of saying badasses. Alolan Raticate prefers to eat only fresh fruits and high-class ingredients. There are rumors that a certain top-notch restaurant takes advantage of Alolan Raticate's taste buds by bringing it along when choosing ingredients to buy and having it taste test new dishes. So now it's just getting into like Ratatouille. It's terrible. Ratatouille. It's, it's, you're 100% right. It's Ratatouille. Alolan Raticate continually stockpile huge amounts of food in their nests. They mostly prefer to send out Alolan Rattata to gather food while they themselves stay home in their nests and just eat. Alolan Raticate is the totem Pokemon of the trial that takes place in Verdant Cavern on Mele Mele Island in Pokemon Moon. It summons Rattata to help it those who take on the trial. Gumshoes is the Pokemon who will appear as the totem Pokemon in Verdant Cavern in Pokemon Sun because um, one of the new revelations about the game is Pokemon Moon apparently takes place 12 hours ahead of Pokemon Sun so that you start off and it's supposed to be nighttime. That's going to be very disorienting, uh, looking outside and knowing it's daytime, but looking at your game and seeing night. It's going to... So they're basically promoting anybody who, who picks up a copy of Pokemon Moon to stay up all night and play so that their game reflects daytime. This makes me wonder, though, if they're going to have such a drastic uh, difference in, in the time zones, how are they... Are there going to be like day and night based uh, missions? And what happens to evolutions like uh, Espeon and Umbreon? Like, do you have to stay up extra late? Well, I, I don't, you know, it's on a, it, I don't think you would have to stay up extra late. It's just if you wanted to evolve something that, um, like a Umbreon, you wouldn't do it at, you know, nine o'clock at night. You'd have to do it at nine o'clock in the morning, because, you know, then it, in the game it would be nine o'clock at night, and and vice versa. But, um, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's almost like everybody that buys Pokemon Sun is just going to get to play on their normal time zone, and everybody that buys Pokemon Moon is just going to be jet lagged. <laughs> All right. So the next thing that they showed in the trailer was the Aether Foundation. Um, very interesting group. Uh, they were all white. Uh, nothing good can come of this, guys. Any 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 group that's calling themselves Foundation is always evil in the end. Um, so the Aether Foundation works in the Alola region. The Foundation's goal is to care for Pokemon that have been hurt. The Aether Foundation has constructed an artificial island called Aether Paradise. There, they not only provide shelter for Pokemon, but they conduct various research projects. It seems that the main characters will also be able to visit the Aether Paradise during the adventure. That's the island that uh, I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, where uh, you can see in the top right corner of the Alola map, there is a small island that is covered in mist, um, and I believe that is supposed to be the island where the Aether Foundation is. 
That's right. So we have a few key members of the Aether Foundation. The first being Lusamine. I think that's how we're going to say her name. Uh, the lovely Lusamine functions as the Aether Foundation's president. She's a dime. She's a straight up dime piece, dude. Like, you know, and she's got, she's got nice long legs. You know, she's got the, the itty bitty dress. She's rocking it. She, she's got her hand on her hip looking fly. Nice big ass hair. I'm digging her. So who do we have next, man? Faba, the Aether Foundation branch chief who sports green sunglasses, sure accessory. He seems very proud of his position as branch chief. <laughs> Faba, this dude is old. He looks like kind of like a pervert. I, I hate to say that about Pokemon characters, but he looks like a perv. All right. The yeah, next. He... Go ahead. I just said he looks weird. <laughs> the next member of the Aether Foundation is Wick. The assistant branch chief of Aether Paradise has a caring personality. She's loved by all the Aether Foundation employees. And finally, we have the employees themselves. Go ahead and read that to us, brother. The employees of the Aether Foundation shelter and care for Pokemon. Their uniforms appear to depend on which division they belong to. All right. So maybe they all want to. They definitely look like a, a group of scientists. So I had to look up what Aether means. Uh, the only, you know, current utterance I've heard of the word Aether was in the second Thor movie. So I just went ahead and pulled up what it is. According to ancient and medieval science, aether uh, is the material that fills the region of the universe above terrestrial space. The concept of aether was used in several theories to explain several natural phenomena, such as traveling of light and gravity. In the late 19th century, physicists postulated that aether permeated all throughout space, providing a medium through which light could travel in a vacuum but evidence for the presence of such a medium was not found. So, so it's like dark matter? Uh, it appears so. Uh, it apparently, in Greek, it means pure, fresh air, or clear sky. In Greek mythology, it was thought to be the pure essence that the gods breathed, filling the space where they lived, analogous to the air breathed by mortals. It is personified as a deity, Aether, the son of Erebus and Nyx, in traditional traditional Greek mythology, Aether is related to incinerate and intransitive to bum to shine. So, so guys, that's what Aether is. So go ahead, check out Wikipedia, and you can find out more about Aether. So we're right now, we're going to go ahead, we're going to move on, and we're going to go ahead and talk about Ultra Beasts. In the Alola region, rumors are flying about mysterious creatures known as Ultra Beasts. Ultra Beasts possess mighty powers that could pose a threat to humans and Pokemon, so they are feared. It appears that the Aether Foundation is also conducting research on these Ultra Beasts. According to rumor, multiple Ultra Beasts exist, each of them called by a code name. And the first one is UB-01. UB-01's body is composed of a glass-like substance. However, 
is constantly changing shapes, never settling on one. While evidence of something like a survival instinct can be observed in UB01, no one knows whether it has a will of its own or any emotions. It is said that for some reason, its movements resemble those of a young girl. Theory time, guys. You think theory time. I have a theory. And I came to this theory the second I saw UB01's jellyfish-like body. UB01 is Lily, straight up, uh, the professor's assistant. It is Lily. Take a good look at the picture of both characters. All white. The jellyfish dome head looks like the hat. The hair, the, the top four tentacles resemble Lily's hair. This is Lily. And Lily has also been described as, as mysterious. And that she doesn't like battling. The only reason anybody right. in the Pokemon universe doesn't like to battle is if they're a Pokemon. Right. So my, my question is, uh, you know, if there's a UB1, um, does that mean there's going to be a UB40? Well, I can't believe you made that joke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the it does say there are multiple forms or multiple beasts. Um, what presence and what what they'll mean to the story has not yet been determined. Um, apparently they're dangerous or at least they're, they're highly feared within the Alola region as of right now. So this is very interesting right now. This could be a very cool story element for this game. So do you think you'll be allowed to catch an ultra beast? Well, that's where I, this is where I have some questions. Do Ultra Beasts technically count as Pokemon, or are they something new? Are they? I mean, there have been a lot. There has been a lot of convention breaking with Pokemon Sun and Moon. We don't have gym leaders, you know. We have you know the Island Trials instead. We don't have gym battles. We have the Island Trials. It wouldn't be surprising if there was a different, you know, form, you know, a different type of thing that wouldn't be classified as a Pokemon. It would be weird, though, because, like, if they're not Pokemon, what are they? And then if they are Pokemon and Lily is Ultra Beast 01, then, like, if you catch her, you're, like, catching a human, kind of, or it's like you're catching the professor's assistant and putting her in a Pokeball. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's weird. it's so weird. Um, it's so weird. Like, I I almost want Ultra Beast to just be classified as Pokemon. I don't want the confusion. Um, Pokemon games aren't necessarily known for having groundbreaking storytelling, so I don't think we necessarily need for the Ultra Beast to be anything more than Pokemon. Uh, that Shinigami. <laughs> the Shinigami. Oh God. Don't drop a death note. <laughs> All right. After party alluded to it, you know, we you know, we spoke about it. But let's go ahead and read about the uh, the different time zones. So, 
some of the Pokemon that appear in Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon are different. What's more, there are differences in the way the time is set in the two games. Except for a few scenes, time in Pokemon Sun and Moon is tied to the actual time. Pokemon Sun operates at the same time as your Nintendo 3DS, but time in the world of Pokemon Moon is shifted by 12 hours. Some of the Pokemon that appear in Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon are different, including Solgaleo and Lunala, which hold the key to the story. It seems that some of the Pokemon that appear as totem Pokemon in the trials are also different. We got to talk about that. This is the official description. We do not know how this is actually going to affect gameplay. This is a little infuriating for you to for the Pokemon company to drop such a huge nugget and not tell us what the true effects of this are as far as the game mechanics. Oh, but it's so cool. It, it was really cool to see. Um, definitely appreciated that. And finally, guys, we have one more thing to talk about. After Party, who do we have next? All right, so we have a pair of trainers investigating Zygarde. Uh, the trainers are Dexio and Cinna, and it's not Cinna from the Hunger... The, the, uh, it's not Cinna from the Hunger Games, so don't get excited. Uh, but Dexio and Cinna will show up as you progress through your adventure. These two appeared in Pokemon X and Pokemon Y, so it's kind of interesting that they're going to have uh, characters that are you know, going to be reoccurring. I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, and they will be, uh, or in X and Y, they were the professor's assistants. Call the uh, a Zygarde cube and ask you to collect Zygarde cores and Zygarde cells during your adventure in the Alola region. Cores and cells can be found all over Alola. It's really cool to see reoccurring characters, and it might just affirm that there is some kind of connection between X and Y and Sun and Moon. Uh, if you think about it. We skipped a generation without getting the enhanced version of X and Y. I mean, we all speculated on Z. Instead, we got Sun and Moon. So it would, it's really nice that there's some kind of tie-in between the two. Uh, Dexio and Cinna, in my opinion, provided X and Y with some great comic relief because they dressed as superheroes and traveled, you know, through the Kalos region and they were always too late. Like they were that bumbling superhero that was too late because you had already done all the work yourself in those games. You know who they remind me of? They remind me of the uh, that like um, detective noir style guy that was running around. Uh, which which uh, generation was that? Oh man, that was in black and white. Oh my god, yeah. the Looker. His name was Looker. Yeah, and he would come up, and he was always investigating, like, you know, um, what N was doing, and uh, these guys, they kind of remind me of that. But They kind of remind me of, like, Team Rocket, if Team Rocket were good guys. Um, if Jesse and James were good, but because they're so inept, they remind me of them. But what I think is cool is that they've come from, you know, the Kalos region, and they've given you means of collecting Zygarde cores and Zygarde cells. Um, I was wondering how this was going to work because I've been watching the anime a lot, 
especially you know you know x y and z has been really good like it might actually better than be better than the first season of pokemon and i've been watching since the first season and it's hard for me to say that oh this show is finally better than when it first started but it it is and in that show they, they you know they make clear references to there being multiple zygarde cells and zygarde cores and you you have to look for them that's that's cool i mean personally though this is something that even though i think it's cool i mean if you're doing this on top of level grinding pokemon sun and moon is going to be a very tedious game i know you got to embrace the grind but man that's that seems a little tedious all right but let me go ahead and read this last piece of the description collect zygarde cores and zygarde cells Objects giving off light can be found in various locations around the Alola region. These are Zygarde's cores and Zygarde cells. You can collect them in the Zygarde cube you receive from Dexio and Senna. If you collect lots of cores and cells, the path to finding Zygarde in Pokemon Sun and Moon may become clear. So again, means to an end. Uh, to get the ultimate Pokemon Sun and Moon Pokemon, you're going to be... Uh, treasure hunting for it so very interesting very interesting i'm looking forward to uh to doing all this getting into the game meeting these characters and uh seeing who's sinister who's a ub-01 it's lily again guys lily is ub-01 don't be fooled but that was you know that's a lot of information that we've gotten in these last two days, man. Uh, if you combine, you know, the Apple keynote with the trailer that we got yesterday, it's been a very exciting couple of days, man. Uh, so, man, what, what was the most exciting thing from for, for you for, from these last couple of days? All right. Uh, the most exciting thing for me is probably – the Ultra Beast, because it's the feature that we know the least about, and um, just very intriguing. And I really wonder how that is going to play into the story of the game, and how that's going to play into the game mechanics. Like, you know, what is an Ultra Beast? I think that's very interesting as well. Um... I think even I'm excited about Ultra Beast, but I still have this lingering question of what has happened to Mega Evolution that's just lingering and lingering and lingering. I just want to know, like, is Mega Evolution still a thing? I mean, I know it's not a mechanic that they're going to just toss out, but I want to know what role it, it plays. I never liked Mega Evolution, and... If they just forget it ever happened, that probably will be better because the Z crystal is like what they should have done all along. <laughs> all right. Well, for me, the most exciting thing in these past couple days, it's it's definitely Mario on iOS. Not because Mario's on iOS specifically, but because of the ramifications that this actually has. Mario being on a console, well, let's not call it a console. Mario being on a platform other than a Nintendo-created platform, that's an interesting 
thing. Um, when Mitomo came out first, you know, it, it, it is what it is with Mitomo. But then they announced Animal Crossing, and then they announced Fire Emblem. And it seemed like MarioWare wasn't even on Nintendo's radar as far as mobile's concerned. Um, I really do think Pokemon Go had a lot to do with them deciding that they want to drop Mario. Mario's Mario's the big gun. Mario's Mario's the most successful video game character of all time. It's the ramifications of Mario appearing on another platform. That's the most interesting thing. It's it's not so much that he's going to be on iOS. It's what it means that Mario can appear on other platforms. Now, let's not get it twisted. Mario's not going to show up on Xbox. Mario's not going to show up on PlayStation. Let's never get that twisted. Nintendo doesn't need to put Mario on those platforms. To be fair, Mar- you know, Nintendo doesn't need to put Mario on iOS. Mario games still sell consoles. He doesn't need to appear on, on another platform. It's interesting that Mario will appear on another platform. So I think that's the most exciting piece of news for me for this weekend, um, for this for this week. Uh, I'm definitely uh, enamored with the UB-01. I'm, I'm disheartened by Faticate, uh, especially after the Alolan designs have all been so damn cool. And to see Faticate and to hear that he has the Ratatouille backstory, I'm like, yo, Game Freak, come on, bro. Where's the originality, Game Freak? I'm calling you out, man. Yeah, I, at Faticate, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, man, any closing thoughts uh, to hit us up with, man, before we hit up these social media links? Um, you know, I'm just, I think we have got a lot of uh, exciting news coming up in the world of Pokemon and also uh, as far as um, Nintendo's venture into mobile gaming. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the near future right now. And so hopefully when we come back for the next episode, we'll be able to talk to you guys with Pokemon Go Plus and also uh, hopefully with uh, the new update that's coming out which will bring us hopefully a new tracking system and um, the buddy system. system. Yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, uh, before we hit up these social media links, I just want to throw it out there. Our next episode is our one-year anniversary show. Uh, It is going to be an exciting show. We may not be talking about as much video games, but we definitely want to talk to you about what it's been like for the past year of podcasting. Um, it's It's been an interesting year. Um, some would say we picked the worst time to start this podcast. Some would say we picked the best time to start this podcast. We're going to go real deep into how, how we feel about the timing of when we started the Splat Zones. Um, that being said, we appreciate the continued support of the Splat Zones. It's you guys are the reason we keep doing it. It's a lot of fun, even though it's a lot of fun for us. You know, we do it because your support has been tremendous over the past year. Now, guys, it's time for these social media links. 
you can hit us up at nice1983 on Twitter and at Mario After Party. You can email us at thesplatzones at gmail.com. Go ahead and check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash nice1983 game collecting. Don't forget to check out the website, nice1983.wix.com slash game collecting. If you're a fan of the Splat Zones, go ahead, download our new episodes on iTunes and Google Play, and you can stream new episodes on Stitcher Radio. If you're a fan of the brand new video version that we unveiled last week, go ahead and check us out here on YouTube. That's going to be it for this episode, guys. After Party, you got anything left to say, bro? Stay fresh, motherfuckers. Stay fresh, MFers. Deuces. Take that. Take that.